KISS PR Brand Story Podcast. Amplify your stories by getting you featured in large news outlets like Associated Press, Yahoo News, Fox, NBC, ABC News Affiliates, over 500 news sites submitted to Bloomberg, journalists, bloggers, and now the podcast. Feature story is... Thanks for tuning in. On the Subject Matter Expert podcast, my guest today is Jen Lian. Jen has been recognized on Forbes 30 under finance list. She's a portfolio manager by profession. Jen obtained a Bachelor's of Art degree from Grinnell College. Grinnell College is ranked number 13 in the National Liberal Arts Colleges. So she went to a pretty decent school. Her professional qualifications include chartered financial analyst, chartered holder, and she also knows yoga, acting, and languages. So without further ado, let's introduce Jen and get to know more about her from hello Jen how are you hi Kamar uh, good to be here how are you I'm good thank you so people that have tuned into our podcast that are listening tell us about your story uh, who Jen Liang is and then we'll go further into your expertise sure um so from the very much of the origin uh, I was made in China um, back in the 90s. And um, I made my way over here for school, for college. And I think it was very much um, of an immigrant's path. Uh, that's, you know, something that I very much identify with and have really faced a lot of challenges over the years, um, building my careers and studying and, you know, moving across different countries as I was growing up. Um, but I think that kind of shaped who I am as a person. Um, every new place that I lived in, I really picked up something from where I was, the culture, you know, the languages, um, and that kind of perspective of, you know, working with and living with people from a very diverse background. And I guess that's what kind of got me here to the U.S., right? And this is kind of my home now where... I think this is a big melting pot. We have a lot of talents from everywhere and a lot of differing opinions. And this is really an environment that I enjoy. And as Kamar, you introduced, you know, beyond being an investment manager, you know, I have a lot of other stuff on the side that I really enjoy. You know, I actually went to college to study theater. Mm -hmm. So I had a really big passion for it. Uh, I went into finance for uh, many other reasons, but, you know, theater remained uh, a passion of mine. So even after graduation and started working on Wall Street, um, I still make time to, you know, I work on these theater projects. I've worked on shows um, with Netflix, with HBO. So um, kind of still carrying that through in my life and just, you know, playing into that whole like multifaceted nature of me. Um, and I'm also a certified yoga teacher. Mm. I think that very much started for me um, as like a way, because a lot of people are, uh, a lot of people know this, it's, like, it's so stressful, right? Working in finance, like everybody watch these TV shows of how crazy it is, like Wolf of Wall Street type of lifestyle. Mm. Right? So I think yoga started for me 
as a way to balance that out, right? To find a place where I can just shut it off for a second, um, be in a different place, balance myself, um, be more mindful and be more present, be more introspective to some extent. Um, but it just really kind of developed from there and I really enjoyed it. I got certified as a yoga teacher during COVID while I was living in Costa Rica. So overall, it was just um, such a wonderful experience to be able to study it and get deeper into it. Um, and, you know, with kind of my background moving across the world, I'm also a big traveler. I've already been on two international trips this year, and I'm about to go on a third one in two weeks. Um, so it's I don't live out of a suitcase, but uh, this is definitely something I enjoy doing as well. And I think I bring a lot of that experience back to my life and back to my career, you know, working in investments. And I invest in a like a very vast um, number of companies and countries across the world. So um, that perspective definitely comes back to help in my career as well. Great background. So made in China, loves acting. You also mentioned HBO, Netflix, uh, Traveler. When I look at your background, um, because I lived in Hong Kong and I had a Chinese girlfriend, you know, she never gained any weight while I thought of eating and I would get <laughs> fat. So what is it? that girls from made in China or even men, what is it that you guys do that eat a lot of fruit, eat a lot of carbs, but don't gain weight? Now, I know it's not part of the podcast, but I want to learn from you. What is it? No, that's legit. I think you can totally make it a part of the podcast. I That's something my friends hate me for and I love about, you know, just uh, yesterday, my mom and I were talking and she was, I was eating dinner while we were like um, FaceTiming and she was just like, you need to stop eating right now. She's like, I saw you go through like this bowl of this and then you went through bread and you, you did this. But I was like, mom, like it doesn't make any difference anyway, like however much I eat. Mm -hmm. um, but actually earlier on um, in my early 20s, I would joke with my friends because some of them will ask like, how do you eat like this and stay in shape? And I would tell them, I was like, you know what? If you have my job, you will be this skinny as well because <laughs> I just thought like earlier on in my career, it was definitely the stress. Um, so this, this couldn't, this might not be like a good thing. Right. Uh, but it's definitely a lot of it is the stress um, that it just, I feel like it just burns my energy and burns my calories literally from my brain. Right. Um, kind of in that hyper intense and um, you know, really spending a lot of energy at work and I just feel like it's burning my calories on its own, even just sitting there. Um, and so that was like a drastic difference compared to being in college. I was an athlete. So like I worked out a lot and I yeah. ate a lot as well, but I also like, I drank, right. And I didn't care for any kind of, um, exercise regimen. So it was like, um, I, I, probably lost like 10, 15 pounds after I graduated college, just by like, just very naturally. But wow. these days I think it's really a balance. Like I don't really watch um, what I eat. I don't stick to any kind of diet, but mm -hmm. it's really a balance. Like if you try to stick to something really strict and I feel like some people will just eventually snap and they'll say like, I'm going to have a cheat day yeah. and I'm going to eat all these junk food. 
Um, and I don't do that. So I think as time goes on, like I don't really have that kind of cravings that often, right? To, yeah. to have a cheat day or anything. So, you know, if today I feel like having, you know, a passion of mine is fried chicken. Um, my dad and I, we did, uh, we used to do this like full day fried chicken tasting menu. Uh, it's not recommended. It's not healthy, but, um, you know, you, you do that like once in a while. I think once you take that pressure kind of mm-hmm. out of your head to say like, oh, I cannot do this, then I feel like you don't gravitate towards that, right? Maybe people are always kind of curious and kind of drawn to things that they're told not to do. So right. I definitely play into this whole um, kind of Zen angle when it comes to food that I eat. Like I eat, uh, don't get me wrong. Like I, most of the time eat very clean. I mm. stick to organic products. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I buy into that a lot and because I practice yoga. So, um, you know, like I don't really drink alcohol or even mm. coffee or like, um, or sodas, you know, just as a, a lifestyle to be like more healthy and to li- live a clean lifestyle. So, um, but I just think like, that's maybe the number one thing is to just kind of like let it run its course and not push yourself one way, um, kind of, and, and not by design, just happen to land on the other side. Um, very very well said. Yeah. yeah. Because you are eating clean fuel, you're putting clean fuel in the body. You're not putting any junk, you are eating food, but then you're burning it. So I think when the body knows what they get, if you don't feed the body enough and then the body kind of holds on to that. So you are treating your body nicely and obviously your body knows what you feed so it doesn't grow bigger. (laughs) So let's segue into college. You talked about college, losing 15 pounds. You remember that. But tell me one thing that you learned in college. Now you went to liberal arts. You didn't go for, you know, being on the wall street theater was your passion. Why then you did not stay in theater? Right. So I think to answer your question, kind of, I have to do it in parts. There's definitely, definitely a lot packed in there Mm -hmm. for me, the switch from theater to finance, it's, it's just very surprising. Right. I, um, did that in, I did theater in high school. Like I was very involved. I was on TV shows. So Mm -hmm. I always imagined that will be my career path. But actually, um, when I was a junior in college, I spent a semester uh, in Washington, D.C., and I interned for the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, the SEC, the the infamous SEC. And I worked with uh, I went in there just because, you know, I was in D.C. and I was like, well, I definitely got to get a taste of government agencies and how that life is like. Mm -hmm. But through that experience, I came across so many really fascinating people from Wall Street. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that was when I was in DC, that was the high time of, you know, Wells Fargo having the whole scandal with CDS. And there were a lot of regulations uh, Mm -hmm. and a lot of changes the SEC was looking to make around that. So working on some of those cases and being around those people has just opened my eyes to a whole different world where I just felt it was just really fascinating that I can learn uh, a lot about 
things that I just never knew before or never thought of before. And, you know, there are so many creative ways, right? The traders and the bankers Mm -hmm. in finance, they make money or they uh, create the type of results they're looking for. And sometimes they get into trouble for, right? So um, I think just it was a natural curiosity that Mm -hmm. brought me to be interested in this industry. And I think on the other hand, I have to say it it was a little bit, I hate to admit this, Mm -hmm. but I think it was a little bit also genetic because, or kind of your um, nurture as well, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, My dad is a finance guy. Um, My mom also used to be an accountant. And, you know, my dad worked his way up. He's the CFO of a company. And so since I was very small, like he Mm -hmm. had... Um, you know, exposed me to all the work he does. Um, You know, he taught me how to read financial statements. He taught me, uh, he showed me literally how you run a company. And I used to go to his office and look through his notes and see like how he really budget for different departments. And I think it was just like a seed that has been planted in my head since I was very little, right? That's something that's there and that feels natural to me. Um, So eventually after that semester in DC, I went for a finance internship and that kind of just was the end of the story, right? And uh, that's where it led to my career on Wall Street. And I think uh, uh, back to like a part of your question was also Mm -hmm. coming from a liberal arts school, right? Something that I really learned and that really helped me during um, job application or during my career or later on, even in life, was that I learned very much about um, building relationships and Mm -hmm. the network, right? I think that's not a course that schools out there or most schools out there teach their students, but I was fortunate enough where I had resources on campus. As you know, liberal arts schools are smaller, so you you can get, I guess, easier access to your professors and the staff and um, people that could help you. So I was, um, you know, kind of learning about how to build build those relationships, build my network. And to remember, like, I also came to this country as an immigrant. So I did not have the type of luxury to like call my parents and be like, I want this internship. Can you call up so-and-so? So that I had to build everything from scratch. And to be able to optimize the resources that I had in school and also to just keep on trying, right? To try and fail. Like I used to set up a camera in my room and film myself um, kind of mock interview. And it's so awkward because everybody hates seeing themselves. And, uh, but I guess that's the theater of me coming out that that's really helpful because I used to do that for theater. So then I did the same kind of practice for my interview skills. And Mm -hmm. that really helped going in even further in my career. Like after my first job, I never, I, I had two more jobs after that, but I did not send out a single resume. It was all my um, pre-existing relationships that people who knew the type of work I do, the type of person I am, then they bring me um, to a different opportunity or they recommend me for different things. So I think having that, even nowadays, you know, having the luxury of, you know, at work, you know, if I'm unsure of a stock or a bond that I'm looking at, an investment. I don't know about something. Like it's easy for me to just pick up the phone or go onto Bloomberg and I pin someone 
and be like, hey, what do you think? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the, is the importance uh, so much uh, in every aspect of life of building that relationship and that network. And I think that's what I learned in those days um, in college. And that's still be uh, that's still very valuable these days. That's that's excellent advice uh, for somebody that's listening and in college that they could use college as part of networking. And one thing that you kind of uh, segued into was, you know, putting your camera to do like a mock interview. So you're a perfect candidate for TikToks. I think that's, that's a channel that you should never be, you know, difficult (laughs) to use because you have done that, that, you know, that old TikTok uh, or that's how social networking was. So let's segue into, some investment and economics. So yesterday, Fed has raised the rate. You know, we are in um, inflation. What's your thoughts on that? Sure. I think ever since the beginning of this year, pretty much, right, the market really has felt like it's 180 degrees, right? We have seen the inflation prints. We have been expecting rate hikes since I will say a year or a few years ago, right? Mm-hmm. I always like I'm always in the camp where I think the Fed is has always been slow to act. Like mm-hmm. back in 2018, I thought that was the time when they should have hiked. But mm-hmm. for one reason or the other, um, you know, the Fed decided not to, and then we were hit with COVID. So obviously it was not a good time for the Fed to 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 change the monetary policy back then. So I think we're now at a point where inflation is literally shooting through the roof. We're at the highest level in, what, 40 years? Mm -hmm. And um, I think that created a lot of panic in the market as well as to people, right? People are asking, are we going to be paying a lot more for groceries? And with what's going on in China right now with a lot of supply chain issues, Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the lockdowns going in there, all the ships and all the logistics getting affected at the port in Shanghai during the current current lockdown, people are really freaking out, right? Are we going to even have the type of supplies and despite paying the high prices in, in the face of inflation? So I think obviously the direction the Fed is taking, uh, mm-hmm. I agree with that, right? We raised the rates mm-hmm. to, to fight inflation. But I think the efficacy or the effectiveness of such move in the policies is a whole nother issue. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of economists out there who would agree with me when I say, mm-hmm. historically, um, the Fed um, management of interest rates have, have n- not been really that effective against mm-hmm. inflation. Yeah. And it's really, we always go in to this cycle of like overshooting, undershooting, right? It, it just always feels that way because it's just macroeconomics is really tricky to manage. Yeah. So I think facing yesterday, obviously the market felt better right after the 50 bibs instead of 75 bibs of hike. Yeah. But what we saw today is yeah. really a rewind and the entire, all the market stocks, uh, bonds, and if you look at even crypto, right, everything is mm. crapping out. Yeah. So I think there's still a lot of unresolved panic in the market, and there's still a lot of unresolved problems, right? The the Fed the, um, and everybody 
who are policymakers or economists need to need to address here. Um, I think I'm what I'm thinking about at this juncture is really like number one: Are we heading into a recession? Um, are we heading into um, hyperinflation? Are we able to to tame it to control it at this point, right? And how that's going to fe- affect the U.S. dollar in this post-COVID world? Um, yeah. So obviously, I don't have the answers for all of that, but I think uh, good questions to be thinking about right now. Very nice. Uh, which you mentioned uh, in your advice about crypto, uh, crypto is even falling. What do you think about crypto for somebody? that thinks crypto is going to be taking over the world. Just give us, you know, a basic opinion on what you think about it is. Sure. Uh, Full disclaimer, I am not a crypto expert, but I'm personally Mm -hmm. invested in crypto. um, And I have read pieces from um, wealth management professionals that they have recommended, you know, putting 10% of your net worth into crypto. And again, you know, I don't have a strong opinion on it. I I think my view is pretty moderate, Mm -hmm. but in my circle, actually, I have to say, uh, especially, you know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs and really crypto fanatics from um, the Forbes under 30 community that I'm uh, actively involved in. You know, so I felt like I got a really helpful education through some of the friends and connections that I know from, from that side. And it got me more comfortable with crypto overall. I, I believe in um, the blockchain technology behind it. There, It definitely makes a lot of sense. There are a lot of very um, helpful applications for the technology. And I think when it comes to crypto as a whole, it really makes it different what you're investing in, right? We have all kinds of stuff um, like Bitcoin versus yeah. Ethereum. Like they're built on complete different infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at the, uh, even the newer ones where right? you have meme coins and yeah. uh, all these new things that could be just extremely volatile and really, really, let's say like they don't have an intrinsic value, which is something as an investor, uh, this is what we look for, right? When we make an investment. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't say I think crypto is going to take over the world or re- uh, replace gold, replace US dollar tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to even happen in the near to medium term. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think there are um, great applications actually uh, definitely for the technology behind it, but also for the currency itself, because we have seen, you know, in uh, certain countries, for example, you see Venezuela, you Mm -hmm. see um, some countries in Africa, like um, Zimbabwe, where their currency could depreciate like a hundred times, a thousand times in a very short period of time. And for the people in those countries, and, and one country that has been doing this is El Salvador. Right? Yeah. They have been kind of pushing uh, Bitcoin into uh, kind of circulation and encouraging people to, to utilize it. And I know for a fact that there are some citizens of El Salvador that they don't have a bank account, but somehow mm-hmm. they have a Bitcoin wallet yeah. and they <laughs> do transactions that way. So there are definitely applications that way as well. And I think some of the crypto exchanges, um, the platforms um, to 
uh, invest in from the venture capital side, whereas the equity um, investor, I do think there's a lot of growth um, for those type of companies as well. Um, so for uh, for me, like I I like certain cryptocurrencies. I'm involved in some of them. Um, you know, I look at them more like an investment versus a currency. Um, you know, because I live in a country where our currency is actually quite stable, where I can yeah. rely on the U.S. dollar a lot. Um, yeah. But I do think the technology and the idea is quite valuable. And I see a case for um, more wide, wider spread application going forward. Interesting. Uh, and my last question for you is what advice would you give somebody in high school that is planning to become a financial professional and they want to take the CFA route, what should they be focused on? What subject matter should they focus on to get their complete CFA done on a timely basis since you are one of them? Sure. I would have to say um, if you're in high school, mm-hmm. like, first of all, I will say just like enjoy your life, go out to party, <laughs> make friends, dates, just mm-hmm. um, eat whatever you want and uh, go on and travel. Like yeah. that's something I would love to say, but uh, d- don't think about becoming a finance professional yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in light of the question, um, just going back on track, The CFA program, um, it's definitely kind of the golden standard for Mm -hmm. the investment community. Mm -hmm. And um, to be completely honest, if you work at a very reputable firm, like where I am, it almost becomes just a standard, right? Everyone is a CFA charter holder. So I understand there's almost like a lot of pressure for people to have to go through the rigorous programs and the exams in order to get their charter. So um, I will have to say you have to look at the exam in three different parts because there are three of them Mm -hmm. and their angle and the focus um, focuses are very different Mm -hmm. for the first level, um, which I think is less challenging for most people, especially if you study finance or economics in school. Mm-hmm. that um, I think the challenge with the first level is just is a lot of a lot of information, mm-hmm. right? You have to really spend um, the CFA Institute says 300 hours. And I think I definitely spent 300 hours on it. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I was studying theater. I wasn't really um, a finance person when I was yeah. uh, not yet when I was taking the CFA. So I started out um, really spending a lot of time with it, like started out from zero. And I got good advice from someone um, mm-hmm. at the firm that I interned with. Uh, she had recommended to me, um, which I think is really true, is to start very early. So I took my in the last semester, so the earliest possible, the last semester of college. And it's really difficult to have to work a full-time job and to take the CFA, right? It's it's just truth. Um, yeah. You work like if you, especially if you work on Wall Street already, you work like a twelve-hour day at yeah. least, and then you have to go home and study after you're already so exhausted. And then you need to have a life, right? You have to go to sleep at least. So yeah. um, I think it's really challenging. So definitely start early, and then. The second level is focusing a lot on accounting principles, um, the finance knowledge on a deeper on a deeper level, um, and the market 
um, kind of uh, knowledge. So I think that goes deeper. And what I really took from that exam is that if you truly understand, like try to understand Mm-hmm. how things work behind the surface. So yeah. what I mean by that is that if you look at this really complicated and confusing um, formula, uh, accounting formula, or a formula mm-hmm. to calculate derivatives, like mm-hmm. you can just be like, oh my God, I have to memorize this. This is so long and so confusing. But what I found was really helpful was that I really went a step in more, a deeper into it to understand how everything come together, right? Why is this thing times this thing divided by this thing, right? Why are we combining these two numbers together when the companies merge together? So to have a deeper understanding like that, then I I don't remember me trying to memorize any of those formulas because once Mm -hmm. you understand it, when you go to the exam, you read the, the question set and you are going to be able to solve it just from how you understand how things really work. So um, the second exam, a lot of the times is really challenging for people, but I do think this is the number one key thing is that if you're trying to just memorize everything, I think it'll be really challenging for you to pass the second level. And then moving on to the third level, what really comes in is another layer of complexity. It just never stops. You have um, essay questions and you have kind of more of a scenario presented to you, right? If you're already an investment professional, what are you going to be doing? What are you planning for your clients and all that stuff? So I think on Um, And by the time everyone takes that third level, you probably have already worked for at least a year at that point. So I think what you learn from work definitely helps and also have um, a good understanding, a broader understanding of how everything works in the market, right? When you um, do like an investment policy statement, for example, for a client, or you're trying to design a portfolio to construct a portfolio, like how do you really do that in a real life setting? I think that's the way I think about it. And um, with the essays, I always like, this is a little tip, uh, like a personal um, tip that I go with. Mm -hmm. With essay questions, always stick with keywords. The way the exams are graded, um, if they have not changed it yet, um, they always look for a lot of keywords as well. So, um, you know, whenever I go for these essay exams, um, even in college or in high school, you always, um, I always tried to um, bring up the keywords that are relevant to this topic, to the question and uh, to work that into your answer. And of course, that takes some memorization um, into the process, but I think that's uh, a little trick to try to get you more uh, get you more points, right? If you understand everything and you wrote it out perfectly, but you didn't point out what these keywords are, I don't think that's going to help you a lot in these type of essay um, questions at the third level of the CFA exam. Um, so definitely um, try to bring that bring that out and and know how to highlight. You know what are you trying to point out here? Is it a risk tolerance? You know, say that word in your essay answer instead of just beating around the bush and describing what's in your head. Um, so yeah, I think those are some detailed advice in terms of uh, tackling the three levels. And obviously, I was fortunate 
enough to just pass all three levels in one try. And um, because I think what's, what was motivating me was just just that. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to do this again because it was so yeah. much studying. And of course, by the third level, I was already working and I was studying at the same time. I was like studying on the train to work. I was studying when I was like running in the gym and it was just so, uh, it was just so much, right? So uh, I definitely get um, the frustration. I think sometimes if you don't pass and sometimes it's really just, um, um, you know, like some people don't perform well in exams or you're just no. not on that day. So I think if you really set your mind to it, um, definitely don't fear uh, not passing it the first time. Keep trying and find better ways to study, right? If you're going on your second or third try. And um, also, um, I have to point out one last thing is the ethics section yeah. of the CS CFA exam is definitely a make or fail section. So pay extra attention to that. And I think that's also super important for you um, going forward in the work, right? So um, yeah, so if anyone is out there looking to take the CFA um, exams, best of luck. Thank you. Thanks, Jen, for attending the Subject Matter Expert podcast. You definitely are a subject matter expert in multiple things, of course, finance is one. So thanks for joining this and hope to see you in a few months again and bring some more insight to our podcast. Thank you, Kamar. It was great talking to everyone. Thank you for listening to our Brand Story podcast powered by KISS PR Brand Story. Want to get featured on a story like this? Visit story.kisspr.com.